Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Birch Sheet Metal. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. We are back in our dungeon location in adjacent to Memorial Coliseum. I guess technically we are in Memorial Coliseum. I always I don't know where the Joe Craft Center begins and Memorial Coliseum kind of ends in the back channels of it. But anyway, we are here recording because we got to talk to the UK basketball returning players today. And we paused this podcast, made it a little bit late so we could share what they had to say. Um, Kyle stuck with Ashton Higgins for almost the entire time. Um, Kyle, what stood out to you from what Ashton had to say? One thing I asked him was if he had a time machine and he could go back and slide a note under the dorm room door of freshman Ashton Higgins this time last year, what would it have been? And he said, get focused. And uh, I said, "What? why that? And he, just, he said, basically, there were times last year where he wasn't as focused as he as it takes he said you know there were times i wasn't working out as hard i wasn't as committed to this as it takes Mm -hmm. and now i know what it takes i thought that was like a pretty important thing to say um he said at another point like there's no no i can't i can't be a young guy i can't act like a young i think he said i can't act like a young bull anymore like i have to show (laughs) these guys how to do it uh and at one point he was saying i uh you have to be one of the leaders. And he said, no, I need to be the leader uh, of this team. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And then, and then the other thing was that he said this could be one of the best backcourts y'all have seen in a long time. I mean, he's very high on Maxie. They're already playing pickup games and quickly. And he said, you know, Johnny's coming. Um, the whole time he had kind of a knowing grin on his face, like I think we're going to be really, really good in the backcourt. And I think he's probably right. He, he seemed extremely confident when I was over there. I mean, the one thing that when you were talking to him and you asked this question, it was about his finishing and his kind of, did he wear down by the end of the season? And while he didn't admit it, he had like a really good, well-thought-out wa- reason why he wasn't being as explosive as he was in high school. And it was basically because he had to put in a ton of work on the defensive end. And even though you know he came in with a stellar defensive reputation – at the high school level, he didn't have to exert as much energy as he did on the college level last season, and he kind of realized that that took away from his offensive explosiveness in certain instances of his game last year. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought it was – I was pleased that he addressed the fact that, like, that he acknowledged, like, like I was saying, like, I'm, I'm watching videos of you in high school windmill dunking on people, and then you, like, can't – basically can't dunk at all like how does that happen um and the fact that he said like yeah we were just like having this conversation um one i guess i'm glad i wasn't losing my mind because i'm like yeah i remembered him being like i felt like i think you're more explosive than this what's going on here Uh, but i really hadn't thought of it necessarily in the terms that he was just like completely exhausting himself (laughs) on the defensive end and that he like very grinningly admitted like in high school, I basically didn't try on defense. Like you didn't have to. Um, so, th- so that's interesting uh, that he recognizes it, and two that it it is definitely prompted like a change to preparations for this season. Like 
there's probably some nutritional things there, some hydration things, some uh, conditioning things that you do on the front end because you know you can work out on your own and all the things. But it's also of note that he got to Kentucky late last summer. Like he arrived at the very end because he did the reclass. He did it late in the summer, um, and so when he got here, they were already in the middle of uh, preseason conditioning and all the workouts and all that stuff. Um, and he looks like he's in great shape. I mean, he looked like it last year, but, you know, mm-hmm. there are levels. I mean, he can that, – that was definitely not, like, the best shape he could be in. Yeah. And- so it'll be interesting to see, like, now that he knows, now that he knows, like, why he powered down some in terms of being explosive, how he manages it, I think that could be, you know, make a big change. It may, it may, it may be the simple answer to the question, like, why did he have so much trouble finishing after he got to the rim? Offensively, like maybe he was just running out of gas. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that that definitely could have been the case, and it makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that you see, and was a topic of conversation, and I think we, I kind of jokingly mentioned it the other day, the fact that you know all these guys are posting the videos of like the boomerang where they take the sweaty shirt and then they have the timestamp and then show that they're in the gym. Um, and he mentioned how there is a lot of that going on, and I'm sure that's going to help with conditioning as well. Just being in the gym and doing those things all the time as much as they can. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think there's such a difference in like getting dropped into this place, especially this place, Kentucky basketball, and all that it is. And you have the Big Blue Madness camp out, and like it's like holy crap, <laughs> your yeah. introduction, your crash course to like what Kentucky basketball is, versus having a whole nother year of it uh, where it's not new and, and you were already here. You already lived in these dorms. There's not this like adjustment period. You already know where all the classes and buildings are. I mean, these are simple little things, but like when you're a program that turns the roster over as often as it does, you're basically going through that in mass every single year. Mm-hmm. And now they have a pretty nice nucleus of guys who are not going to be like overwhelmed by the newness of this. And they're just here. They're comfortable. Like Ashton Hagen's like almost said it almost like, you know, last year I'm, I'm, I hit the ground running and I'm like behind the eight ball. And essentially this year he's sitting around with his feet up like I'm waiting on the rest of the guys to get here and, yeah. like, you know, everything to get going. He's um, He was unbelievably comfortable today in the media setting. And obviously that doesn't always, you know, necessarily translate to being on the comfortable on the court. But I think that that is a, a positive like situation and a positive vibe to put out. Um E.J. Montgomery was the last guy to make his decision public. And I guess let me circle back real quick and I'll tie this loop this all back around to E.J. Um, maybe after we take a quick break. But I did the last thing with Ashton and I asked this to Emmanuel as well. Why they made the decision so quickly? Why didn't they test the waters? Because, you know, in the grand schemes of things, if Kyle, if you're taking each individual decision on it by itself, I think the fact that Hagen's did not test the waters might have been the most surprising decision out of the whole group you know guys leaving guys yeah. coming back um and he, he kind of brushed it off to a certain extent he he kind of made it seem like it wasn't that tough a decision he said he talked to his dad talked to cal and knew what he wanted to do and it was just yeah i was it was a little refreshing i guess that he was like because you know i think john clay the herald leader was like why not just go through the process and he said like i didn't want all the stress and pressure of that and like i didn't want Basically, I didn't want to hear all this, like, feedback in my ears about – I mean, because if you want to be a first-round pick, you know you're not a first-round pick. You go into this process, you start dealing with an agent, you start dealing with teams, you start hearing people tell you what you want to hear, 
and it becomes harder to come back. And, you know, maybe he just wanted to say, like, I know I need to come back, period, Mm -hmm. the end of story, and I'm just going to stay here and get comfortable as opposed to, like, put myself through the ringer. It's interesting. There's not a lot of guys in Ashton Hagen's position who just punt altogether on the process. Yeah. Because whatever you think about his viability as a pro after last season, like, he would have been drafted probably. I mean, second round, but, like, he would have been very firmly in the mix to be drafted. He was a viable draft option. And almost every guy in that position, and a lot of guys outside of that position, you know, be that aren't projected to be picked, E.J. Montgomery, mm-hmm. go through the process. Um, so I, I mean, I, I found it actually pretty refreshing, just a guy saying, like, I didn't think I was ready. Cal didn't think I was ready. And he did say Cal wasn't going to tell him what to do. He told him, like, I'll yeah. support you either way. And he also mentioned, like he mentioned, he probably asked this a couple of times, and you were around him for a much longer period. But he said his dad was the, obviously a key decision factor, mm-hmm. and his dad was was fully uh, behind him. And you know, you've done the the exit interview series, and you've talked to, uh, you did a, I forget what you called the series when they came in last year, right? The letters from home, letters yeah. from home with Marvin. I mean, like it, it seems they're to be, very close. Yeah. yeah, and so like that, it seems like everybody got on board on the same page really yep. quickly, and then and, it was done. Yeah, and Marvin had said, I actually had, I think I published a story the morning that his announcement came out and Marvin said like hours before, like we're going to, we're, we're getting ready to talk to Cal and whatever he tells us is what we're going to do, which I mean, that's, that's some pretty good trust because there have been parents at Kentucky who got feedback that said from Cal saying like, you should probably come back. And they said, no, we're not going to like, we want, he's, you know, we want him to go be a pro. But they said on the front end, like, whatever he tells us we're going to do. And, like, within hours, they had had the meeting or the conference yeah. call on phone. And there it was. Ashton, I think Ashton just tweeted it out, right? If I'm remembering right, yeah, it wasn't anything. It was like, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I think it was an IG post it, it or was whatever one of the, it was. It was one of the most low-maintenance decisions for a guy who could go either way that we've seen yeah. in this Calipari era here. Um, and speaking of another guy who we'll talk about in just a second is Emmanuel Quickly and why he didn't go through any of the NBA testing the waters process. Time to tell you guys about Birch Sheet Metal. If you need metal roofing or siding for a residential or agricultural project, go direct to where it's made. That's Birch Sheet Metal. They've got classic rib panels cut to order with a 40-year warranty in 15 colors, plus Galvalum and economy grade with all the trim and accessories to match. You can give them a call at 859-485-1928 or check out birchsheetmetal.com. That's B-U-R-C-H sheetmetal.com. They've also got bubble insulation, permafelt, sliding door tracks, and aluminum frame rails. Birch Sheet Metal is located in Walton, Kentucky. Give them a call, 859-485-1928 or check out birchsheetmetal.com. Don't pay lumberyard prices. Go direct to where it's made. That's Bird Sheet Metal. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I asked Emmanuel quickly the same question I asked Hagens about why didn't you at least test the waters. And obviously quickly isn't the NBA prospect that, that Hagens is. But as we talked about, you know, just because you're not the, the, the prospect, sometimes you still go through the things with him. And he would have been worked out by a couple teams, I'm sure, and all those things would have happened. But his his reasoning was basically, I wanted to focus on myself. And it, similarly, I guess this is me inferring a little bit to the Hagans. He didn't want outside noise, quote unquote. He wanted to improve on the things that he wanted to improve on and not take it in from the NBA, which is another kind of refreshing 
refreshing stance from a, a guy who, you know, quickly has shown maturity from the, the start of his time on campus. Yeah, and he gets overlooked, I think, quite a bit, but I, I think he will be a very important part of the team. Yeah. I mean, one, the veteran piece of it and the maturity piece of it, and, like, a dude who I don't think they will ever have to worry about being a trouble uh, a locker room issue, uh, like mad about playing time, vocalizing that, but also a guy who's going to make shots. You know, I mean, shot. I think the final number was like thirty, a little over thirty-five percent for the season, uh, or maybe it was thirty-eight. I can't remember. Um, but he had a stretch in the middle of the year where he hit like f- over fifty percent for ten or twelve games. Um, was a really good. He was a forty-plus percent three-point shooter in high school. Hit two huge ones in the in the Houston game in the Sweet 16. So a guy who's made big shots in a big game. I mean, that's a game that came down to the end, and he hit two, what turned out to be two enormous critical three pointers. I mean, they every single point mattered in that game. I don't think you can overstate that either. Like, whatever his role was last year in total, he played meaningful minutes and made meaningful contributions in like very high pressure like winner go home postseason basketball games yeah um you know and ej montgomery started in those games well you know things like that the fact that they've got four guys who have real real actual experience former four-star guys i mean five-star guys um i I just i I think there's a lot to this and one of the the other thing that i mentioned to Ashton, that I thought I think is not insignificant, is when like the roster turns over all the time. There's a lot of years at Kentucky where you don't have a big group of like important returning guys who come back mad because of how last season ended, like with something that they're that is sticking in their craw. And you remember, I remember my first season on the beat in the preseason, Terrence Jones and Duran Lamb saying like Terrence Jones said like I couldn't leave here the way we lost. In the Final Four last year, it'd like, be like a kick in the nuts, <laughs> yeah, or a karate <laughs> chop to the throat. Um, you know, guys who were like good players could have gone in the draft, but one could help themselves more by coming back, and two, they were mad. Yeah. And Darius Miller was in that group. They had three guys that were like significant contributors on a Final Four team, and they were mad. And I remember watching guys cry in the locker room in the Elite Eight. I mean, they team they beat twice yeah and blew out a month earlier or less sped past them to go to the final four in a game that they like looked like they were going to blow them off the floor in the first half yeah and ashton Higgins was one of those red bleary eyed guys sitting slumped in his locker looking mad yeah i couldn't tell if he had been poked in the eye and he had i think but he was also crying yeah it made it like doubly Um, um, more noticeable but he said like that is going. He's like that has been a lot on my mind, and I I don't think that's a small thing either. No. You got four dudes who are mad about how things ended, including the guy who's running the show. You know, I think if Ashton Hagens looked at that game and said like, could I have done about ten things better? Yes, he did not play great in that game, um, and so that's I think that's big too. Um, Emmanuel quickly also kind of talked about uh, EJ Montgomery, and I guess. It was one of those deals where we were waiting a little bit later in the day, and the, you know the news broke via, um, and I'm gonna forget who who initially reported it that EJ was coming back. It was Woj, I think, actually. Um, yep. And anyway, but uh, EJ told his teammates the day, the morning of, and apparently it was just in a group message, and 
I couldn't get it out of anybody, but apparently it was kind of amusing because when I asked Emmanuel quickly about how EJ told the team, he, he like automatically smiled and started giggling. And so I don't know what EJ did. I wish EJ would, you know, <laughs> tell me some jokes. <laughs> He's, like, he seems like this one of the nicest kids. He's yeah. just a little bit shy. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about how big him returning is. Kyle just laid out, and I, this popped in my head, mentioned it. Uh, Justin Powell, who is playing basketball in Kentucky, um, I believe at North Oldham um, this year. Kentucky kid just committed to Auburn today. Kentucky had had some interest and had been contacting him, but I don't think uh, offer had ever materialized, so he committed to Bruce Pearl. Um, so that'll be a storyline, I'm guessing, in the upcoming college basketball years when Powell has, without a doubt, has a big game against Kentucky, and Bruce Pearl will just be unbelievably happy when that happens because that was the Chris Lofton situation. Now, obviously, the dichotomy here is, the difference here is the fact that Powell is actually a four, four-star four guy. Uh, Chris Lofton wasn't that level, but I think Bruce Pearl probably gets some pleasure of taking a kid from John Calipari State and from the Kentucky program state and then potentially have him you know be a good player but anyway I'm getting sidetracked Um, (laughs) EJ Montgomery said uh, you know he made his decision in the morning it was basically uh, you know what we all thought he got the feedback he said there was some teams told him he would be the end of the first round but he wanted he still saw improvement out there and that's why he came back and you know he's looking forward to put it in the work and putting in the work and Maybe he didn't say that he was going to become PJ, but he knows and said as much that he's going to get PJ's minute, so he has to step up in that role. And he absolutely does. I mean, it's unless they add Blackshear, it's sink or swim with with EJ and Nick. I mean, I think Nate Sestina is going to be a significant piece as well. But, yeah. Um, You're still looking at three guys at two positions and, and the most foul-prone positions on the court. Right. And I don't think anybody would argue that for them – to be any kind of if they don't get Blackshear, for them to be any kind of national, real national championship contender, at least one of EJ or Nick has to be like a certifiable, yeah, you know, all league caliber player. Without a doubt, um, if they don't have one of those two guys step up and become uh, a guy who, in a, maybe not every night, but in a, on a given night, could go off. Um, a guy know, blocking who, shots or grab ten rebounds. Yeah, a or, guy who you, know. you wouldn't be surprised gets a double double. Like right. that's how I'd kind of label it. You know, if someone right. if they get a double double, you're like, oh, I expect that from EJ or I expect that from Nick. Yeah, one I mean, of them has one to of them's got to be a twelve and eight. Yeah, you know, fourteen and eight guy. Routinely, or mm-hmm. they are going to not be very good, they're or, gonna or be, else they're going to be real. They're going to play small, and they're going to be yeah. a totally different brand of basketball. Then and that's that. fine too, but there's just so far been no evidence. No substantial evidence that John Calipari is inclined to play that way. Yeah, you know, extensively. So they they need one of those guys. And I, to me, it's EJ is the one who has the the best opportunity of the two to be great. Yeah. Um, coming up next, let's let's talk about Nick Richards. And then speaking of Kentucky big guys, Kyle had a piece on a former Kentucky big guy who is starting a singing career. Time once again to tell you guys about Twillery. Go to twillery.com slash locked on. That's T W I L L O R Y dot com. Use the promo code locked on, and you're going to get $25 off any order. Let me tell you about one of their, some of their shirts, these performance shirts. When the hustle brings the heat, you need a shirt that can take it. Meet the Twillery Performance Shirt, a game changing combination of fashion and function that's engineered to deliver superior style in any situation. 
crafted from hyper-breathable four-way stretch fabric. Each shirt features Coolmax moisture wicking technology to keep you dry and your their proprietary non-iron treatment to keep you wrinkle-free. Go ahead, dream bigger, grind harder, and push further. Just know that when it comes to looking good, the performance shirts has your back. No sweat. Literally. Go to Twillery.com slash LockedOn and use the promo code LockedOn right now to get a $25 off your order. And right now, you can get a free set of bottle opener collar stays um, for Father's Day. Go to Twillery.com slash LockedOn. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Nick Richards, like I, uh, I find him super interesting for a lot of reasons, and I sometimes I have like a well thought out question, and then it just gets blown out, blown up, like and because the guy just is like so simple and so cutting, and that's what Nick kind of did to me today, Kyle, because the whole the whole deal last year, and you know you can ask this a million ways, and you feel stupid asking it in a certain sense because you're basically questioning a guy's mental toughness to their face which is always there's no other way for it to not be awkward but my my question was basically this you know they talked about how you had you had to get over some mental hurdles now the mental hurdle of looking over your shoulder is basically gone with just three guys on the roster mm-hmm. as it stands nick do you think that'll help you and he just looked at me he's like no I have to get over mental hurdles no matter what. You know, that that is that shouldn't be a big deal if it you know, he kinda just brushed it off and said if that was the mental hurdle, it wasn't an excuse. And I mean, with that answer, I guess it kinda does show some maturity. You know what I mean? Um yeah. which you want to see. Yeah, I mean I I think I actually think Nick is like a really No, I think he's super like, like yeah. a very thoughtful, very like I think he's a pretty like old soul. Um, and it's weird because like when he first got here, like when he was a high school recruit, he was a terrible interview. One of the worst I've ever, I mean, you know, he was really bad and I thought his freshman year, he was not particularly good, but last year starting in the preseason, like, and I think that was just shyness. Yeah. Um, he, I, he would sometimes say things that were, I, I thought were just really at least interesting and at times like a little, almost a little bit profound. Um, even in the story I did with his, like his girlfriend, the volley, star volleyball player, and like how they help each other, the things that one is good at and the other is not, and how she helps him with his confidence, and how important it is for him to have like a mental space away from basketball and the pressure of Kentucky basketball, so it doesn't just like cripple him. Um, you can say what you want about that, you know, is he tough enough or whatever, blah yeah. blah blah. But like to have sort of the like um, perspective of that. I think is is impressive. I, I'm really impressed by Nick Richards, the human being. Yeah, um, I'm too. And you just wonder, like, I think he knows what he has to do. There's no question about that. It's just can he like turn himself loose to get out of his own way and just play basketball? Yeah, um, I, I think agree. that's really all it comes down to for him. Speaking of turning yourself loose, Isaac Humphreys is going to be turned loose on a stage. Yeah, he is, and. Uh, before I tell you about that, uh, hopefully I don't just completely kill over and die in this room we're in. <laughs> it's not that hot. You got it a jacket is, on. It is really hot. I have a rain jacket on, and we're in this little dungeon inside the Memorial Coliseum, and apparently there's no air conditioning in here, and I feel like I'm starting to, like, the lines are going wavy in my vision. But uh, as long as I can stay uh, conscious here, 
Um, yeah, Isaac Humphrey's doing a cool thing. He's coming back uh, June 23rd. It's a Sunday, I think 6 p.m. at the Lexington Opera House um, for having a benefit concert where he's the headliner. I think it's called uh, Isaac Humphrey's Songs of My Life, and it's going to be like songs that were from key moments of his life. He's going to, I think, kind of tell the audience the story of his life growing up in Australia and coming here to the United States to play basketball and then chasing his NBA dream. Uh, through songs and I hope um, there's a banjo intermission where he, like when he like comes to Kentucky. <laughs> he could really insult no, that, everybody. Well, no, that, <laughs> it wouldn't be that because that's obviously Deliverance. What, that was a, what was that an Arkansas movie? Uh, yeah, so that's that's you know that in Kentucky that you just have a you'd have fiddle and banjo. You'd mix in the bluegrass and then you'd get that vibe and then he'd come back in in the piano and do a nice rendition of Blue Sturgill. Yeah, Simpsons. that'd work um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, I wrote a, he actually reached out to me and he wanted me to, to write this story kind of announcing the concert because I had written about his music when he was a freshman and we went over to the, um, one of the music buildings over here and he played piano for me and it was really cool. Sang Adele. Um, but back then and, and kind of through his couple of years here at Kentucky, he was like reticent about that. He was a, almost afraid to put that story out because he was afraid people would say like, you don't, you need to focus on basketball. Like well, the, the Willie, Willie, the Willie Cauley Stein thing. Like you can't have outside interest. Focus on number nine. Yeah. Um, and so he was a little nervous about like putting that out there. And he said in the story, I have a story up on the athletic about it. It's about the concert, but it's also about his music and this, kind of career he's ready to launch in music and also i talked while i had him i talked to him about like the almost hero game that he had the, the crazy outburst in the elite eight against north carolina and how close he came to being like an iconic yeah dude because that was nuts he had 10 points in 12 games before that game total and he scored 12 in that game he scored yeah. eight of them in three minutes and like he isaac Humphreys was was like dropping jaws that night because like he had like uh, a layup, two free throws, and then he hit back to back like free throw line jumpers, and they're all of a sudden they were down three. All of a sudden they're up five with five minutes to go in the elite eight. Yeah. I mean, he almost sent them to the final four. It's wild, game. if not for Luke May. And he talked about that and how how bitter that team still is because they thought yeah. What that, was his, his quote was that every time he sees Luke May, he wants to punch him in the face. Yeah, some basically no. <laughs> he, he basically did say he that. He didn't actually say that, but but I mean he they felt very much like. I think a lot of Kentucky fans do, and probably just basketball fans in general. Like the winner of that game was probably going to win the national title. I, tend to I think agree. that Kentucky team was—I mean, De'Aaron Fox was really hitting his stride. You had this this scoring machine in, in Malik Monk. You had a guy like Bam who was really also kind of finding himself. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we talked about that. We talked about well, why you know, okay, that you had this launching pad moment. Junior Junior Isaac Humphrey is going to be great next year. Why didn't you come back? And he talked about that and how hard it was to be a kid from thousands of miles away who arrives at Kentucky basketball as a 17-year-old um, and about tucking away his music for a couple, for a while because he felt like he couldn't, you couldn't be a serious pro basketball player and sort of dabbling in music. But then he just said, I could, like, got to the point I couldn't fight it anymore. I, yeah. I, I want to sing. It's a very big part of his life. Um, and so now he has his vocal coach is like vocal coach to the stars, a guy who is Jennifer Lopez's um, vocal coach and a what's guy your, who's a coach on The Voice for like years now. What's your favorite J-Lo song? I don't know the names of any of them. Jenny from the Block's oh, really yeah. good. I do know that one. But the crazy part of that, the beginning of the story that I wrote 
is I asked like, hey, I texted him the other night. I said, can I talk to your vocal coach? He's like, yeah, I'm actually with him right now. Hang on. And so he gets him on the phone, and they had they had to they had had to shuffle out of J Lo's dressing room at the Forum in Los Angeles because she was going through like her final run through for her national tour she's about to go on. Uh, and I was like, "You're living a crazy life, Isaac Humphreys in the in the dressing room with J Lo uh, and her vocal coach." But you know, he's got some serious coaching now in yeah. that in that area, uh, and I think he's gonna. You know, make a run at having some kind of music career simultaneous to. He's not going to wait till basketball's over. Yeah, and he well, finished last season with the Hawks, and he's going to be on the Clippers um, summer. summer league roster. And he thinks he's going to get at least a two way contract uh, with them next. Well, season. writers out there, here you go. The headline will be the world's biggest pop star. <laughs> I texted him that. I said, at minimum, you could probably tell everybody that you are literally the world's biggest uh, music star. And he was like, I'll take it. Because <laughs> he's seven foot tall. So uh, check out that uh, on The Athletic. And we'll probably give you some more updates as that date draws closer. If you want to check out videos of the guys uh, during these interview sessions here, I'll have them on my timeline at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. You can also check out BigBlueInsider.com. I'll be posting them there. Be sure to be following us on social at LockedOnUK. And Kyle's at Fainting in the closet here and uh, that's too long of a twitter handle <laughs> uh at kyle tucker underscore ath i'm at curtis birch b-u-r-c-h <laughs> listen to this podcast and subscribe every day on the new himalaya app go to your app store and download the himalaya app thanks again to birch sheet metal for sponsoring this edition of the show we will talk to you guys soon you are locked on kentucky Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. It wasn't presumptive in it, but so. All right, um, that, Isaac Humphreys, and we should be good. So.